One of the things I'm excited about coming up is uh, what we are going to be teaching about in the coming weeks. We are jumping in to a series on the book of Revelation, okay? So not, uh, I've, I've been here, I don't know, 12 years, 10 years, I, nobody knows how long, there's no way to tell, but I've been here for a little while, a decade at least, and uh, we have never taught through the book of Revelation, so uh, this is something new for all of us. We're excited we had actually planned to do it in the fall, uh, but then given the fire and uh, kind of just some extenuating circumstances here in our community, we felt like maybe it wasn't the best time, and so we pushed it off into January, and so we will begin next week with that, which is very exciting. But not only Revelation, I'm excited about the entirety of our year. We, uh, over this last month or so, have taken a decent amount of time in kind of our staff meeting environment to figure out what we thought God would have us speak into the community about or uh, what God might have for us as a community in terms of our teaching. And so our entire year is pretty much laid out at this point, and uh, it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be challenging in a lot of ways, uh, but also uh, hopeful, also inspiring. And so I'm excited to see where God moves our community in this coming year. But this morning, we are not in the book of Revelation. We're going to do something a little bit different. So last week, we had planned what we typically call a Reflection Sunday. It's an opportunity to uh, take a pause in our general rhythm and reflect and use this Sunday as a good opportunity to not only reflect back, but also to look forward. And so we're bringing some of that stuff into this Sunday, this morning. So I'm going to invite you into the process today. And I know for some, this is not going to be kind of your natural way to worship, your natural way to be in an organized, gathered service, but I'm going to invite you into the process and hang with me, all right? So uh, it's not a lot of teaching from me up front. It's going to be actually a, a bit more time of you in moments of reflection uh, and writing things down, if you have not grabbed a liturgy guide, one of these, um, I've got one right here, one of these things, okay? If you've not grabbed one of these, let's make sure to get one. If you do not have a pen, let's make sure to grab one. So Joseph uh, will be kind of scanning the room here, making sure everybody's got the implements that they need. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to try to create some space around certain ideas and postures that may guide us and help us create some growth in our lives for the coming year of 2022. Now, I don't want you to think about this as a New Year's resolution service, okay, because that's not what this is. I'm actually not much of a New Year's resolution guy. I think resolutions tend to be a bit short-sighted. Usually, my experience has been, not only in my own life, but in uh, watching other people's lives, they don't stand up to the ever-changing realities of our lives, the things that happen. In 500 BC, uh, a gentleman by the name of Heraclitus said this, the only constant in life is change. The only constant in life is change. I'm pretty sure he didn't say it exactly like that because he didn't speak English, but he said something along those lines. And I think that's just as true today as it was 2,500 years ago. And here is maybe a good example to highlight this. For example, let's say that I had set a resolution for self-care by trying to get to bed earlier this year. I had recognized that, man, my sleep is out of whack and I need to do whatever I need to do to try to regain that good, uh, that piece of my life. 
And so I had set goals about uh, a reasonable bedtime that I'd go to bed, and that means I stopped watching TV at a certain time, and I tried to get my work done earlier in the day and do all the things necessary to structure my life around this new goal, this new resolution that I have about a better bedtime, a better sleep habit. And then yesterday, for example, let's say that as I was working towards my new goal, one week in, I received a message from my good friend Russ who said, hey, Kevin, my back absolutely blew up and I'm headed to the ER and so I cannot speak tomorrow and I'm going to need somebody to help me out and step in and speak for me tomorrow. Let's just say that that perhaps could have happened, right? <clears throat> so now change has happened and I've got to adapt and my schedule is different and maybe now I can't lean into my new resolution of good bedtimes because I'm up a little bit later than what I'd want to be preparing for this morning. This is the reality of resolutions. Because of Russ's advanced age, things in my life had to change, right? And then I've got to adapt with it and I've got to roll with it. So I use that all as an example to say, this is why I don't think resolutions are necessarily all that great. They're either forgotten, neglected, or oftentimes they're just pushed to the wayside kind of in light of life's changes. Now, what I am a big fan of is self-reflection leading to healthy and needed growth. Not simply setting a new goal, but actually working to be a different person. In that way, the new year can be a liminal space, a space where we can both reflect and then project. We reflect on what was in this last year, and we project on what will be or what is to come. And this is our practice this morning, all right? So, like I said, engage even if this isn't your natural state. Give yourself to the practice. And as you have that uh, little reflection guide in your hand, resist the temptation to look forward. There's some questions. There's some quotes on there. If you're like me, you want to get that thing out and you want to just jam through the reflection as quickly as possible and be efficient, that's not the goal this morning, okay? So hang with me. We're going to begin our morning with a practice of gratitude. N.T. Wright says this, when we learn to read the story of Jesus and see it as a story of the love of God doing for, what, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, that insight produces again and again a sense of astonished gratitude, which is very near to the heart of authentic Christian experience. Now, I know this last year and frankly the last two years have been challenging. They've been difficult. And if we give ourselves to the noise of the world around us, it would be easy to be bitter, to feel hopeless, to be exhausted, to be crushed under the weight of the hurt and pain and anger in this world, which is why I am convinced the story of Jesus is all that more important for us right now in this time, to read with an understanding of God's uncontrollable love for us and to have this sense of astonished gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, take a moment, quiet the noise. On your sheet, we're going to spend the next few minutes and we're going to write down as many things that you are thankful for in your life as you can think of. Don't just cherry pick the easy things. Family, health, 
a house, actually think about it, process what are things that I can find gratitude for in my life right now. We're going to spend a few minutes uh, practicing that, and then I'll bring us together here in a few minutes. So I uh, <clears throat> gave myself to this practice yesterday, and a couple of things came right to mind. One uh, was I'm incredibly thankful for a job that gives me a lot of autonomy. One thing that came to mind, I have fam all my family of origin lives in Spokane, and so Grace and I never have to travel for holidays. <laughs> I was reminded over this holiday how thankful I am that we don't have to travel for holidays. Uh, probably the thing I'm most thankful for is this foosball table that I was able to find and give to my boys as a Christmas present. It's a 40-year-old foosball table, vintage style, and it has been the most fun over this uh, Christmas break just to go downstairs and play foosball with my sons. So a few things that I am thankful for. Uh, I want you to turn to a person next to you, and I want you to share just a couple of things that you're grateful for couple of things that you can find gratitude in in this season. I'm pretty convinced that the practice of gratitude is really just about an adjustment of our posture. It's about shifting the very view of the world that we have around us, and rather than dwelling on all the things that you want or all the things that you think you deserve, you actually give yourself to the practice of contentment. The science behind those that practice gratitude regularly is overwhelmingly positive in terms of our own health. But more importantly, I believe it's a practice that begins to align our hearts with our Creator. <clears throat> I think this might be one of the things that we have to offer the world this year. This idea of cultivated gratitude, that there would become from that cultivation a sense of greater joy, a sense of generosity. And although it may seem simple just to do this practice in a world so severely self-centered with almost an inability to find gratitude, what if we could lead in this way? What if we could be a people of deep gratitude? Write this question down, and you can take this and think about this uh, this week. What might a gratitude practice look like for your life in 2022? What might a gratitude practice look like in your life? So the practice of gratitude helps kind of cultivate this fertile soil for a life of spiritual growth. And I hope that this would be a desire that we all have, that we all share in common, is that we desire to grow spiritually. But let me provide this caveat, because at no point will you ever hear, or should you ever have heard from up front in this place, an idea that spiritual growth is linear, right? I think it's incredibly dangerous to think or to reduce our faith journey to a single line moving up and away from the X and Y axis. Our faith is far, far more dynamic than this picture. Mike Iaconelli, and this is one of the quotes that's in your guide, says this, spiritual growth cannot be reduced to mechanics. I'm all for getting the mechanics right, but spiritual growth is more than a procedure. It's a wild search for God in the tangled jungle of our souls, a search which involves a volatile mix of messy reality wild freedom, frustrating stuckness, increasing slowness, 
and a healthy dose of gratitude. I think this might be a better way to think about or to picture our faith journey. More than linear movement, it's a picture of this wild search for God. <clears throat> a question to think about. How do you feel about describing your spiritual growth like a wild search for God? Does that worry you? Does that create freedom for you? And why? How do you feel about describing your spiritual growth like a wild search for God? Does that worry you or does it create freedom in you? And why? And here's the question that we're going to spend <clears throat> a little bit more time on this morning. In your notes, you should see it right, uh, written down right underneath that quote, and it says this. As you are on your wild search, what is one thing you could do this year to increase your blank of God? And there's a couple of little questions there, a couple of words there that might help prompt you. You don't have to think through all of those things, but spend a few minutes right now. Maybe choose one or two of those words, put it there in that blank spot, and then write what that might look like for you. Let's spend a few minutes doing that. One of the things that I have learned <clears throat> is that... Uh, Life, and maybe more specifically, our spiritual journey, our uh, life of faith was never intended to be done alone. And so as we are writing these things down, especially this last question, who is the person that you need to invite into the process with you? As you think about wanting to uh, <clears throat> uh, increase your enjoyment of God or increase your understanding of God in this wild search this coming year? Who's the person or the people that you may need to invite into this process to help you, to push you, to challenge you, to support you in that endeavor? We have practiced gratitude and spent some time in self-reflection regarding our own spirituality, so we're going to end with one final uh, kind of place of reflection and it's a bit, uh, a bit more outside of ourselves, okay? So you don't have to write this one down, but just think in your mind, what is something either you did or you witnessed this last year that was worth doing, that was beautiful, or that was virtuous? What is something either you did or you witnessed being done that was worth doing, that was beautiful, that was virtuous this last year? Reinhold Niebuhr says this, nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. The scripture seems pretty clear that those who trust in and follow Jesus will see miraculous things happen. I'd encourage you to read the entirety of Jesus' conversation with Philip in John 14, but here's one little piece, verses 12 through 14. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do... <clears throat> whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So here's our last 
time to write something down as you're looking forward into 2022. What is the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do that requires some type of hope, faith, or love? And what role will you play in this divine human cooperative? What is the most impossible thing you will ask God to do in 2022 that requires some type of hope, faith, and love? And what role will you play in this divine human cooperative? This type of practice does not need to end here this morning. If this is helpful for you, take these questions, create your own questions, but this can be a practice that is done every day, once a week, once a month, something to kind of help center, to again <clears throat> put us into a place where we can better hear from God and better align our hearts with what God's desire is for us in this coming year. I'm going to end uh, just with a little pastoral encouragement from up front. You need to know that you are an amazing community of people. You are an amazing group of individuals, and though we are all here with different intentions and different expectations, you are an incredible group of people. Some may show up this morning or show up this year confused about their future or brokenhearted about a specific failing relationship. Some carry new and heavy burdens while others are already tired and weary at the beginning of the year. Some might be questioning their place in this church or maybe flat out questioning God in this time, in this season. But let me say this, you are always, always, always welcome here. So take a deep breath. Know that you are a beloved child of God. Know that you are a valued part of this community. That you are loved in this space that you are wanted here. New community, you never cease to amaze me with your grace and with your love. Continue to live this way in 2022. Continue to care for one another with deep respect. Continue to serve our broken and hurting world with steadfast commitment. Amen.